Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jonah. Book of Jonah. Jonah is tucked between Obadiah and Micah. And Micah and Obadiah are somewhere in the Old Testament. In my Bible, Jonah is on page 1330. But that'll help you. Hallelujah. Now, I tell you what, you can just keep your seat uh, because I'm going to start out a little bit different today, so uh, there won't be any need in standing. I told my uh, wife this morning, told Judy this morning on the way over here, I, I've got an excitement in my spirit because I feel that God is doing some things. But at the same time, I've got a, a reluctance to, to do certain things. And, uh, and one of the things is kind of pertaining to this message. And I, I shared with you last week, we talked about Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, if my people called by my name would humble themselves before me. Seek my face and pray. God said, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. And that was, that was a, a kind of a strong word, uh, but it was a word concerning the church. And, and remember what, I, what we said last week, that that passage of Scripture in Second Chronicles 7 uh, was not if the heathen... If the Gentiles, if the homosexuals, if the abortion clinics, if the adulterers would humble themselves and pray that God would hear from heaven and bring healing to the land. But God said, rather, if my people. That identifies a specific group of people. It's not just anybody, not just everybody, but God identified a specific group of people that were his people. And so that lets me know that what God was saying was uh, that, that when his people come to a place of where they have drifted away, they have drifted into sin, they have drifted into a lifestyle of of. Uh, inconsistency with him they've they've drifted like like a, a boat on the river that without an anchor it will drift and and you will close your eyes and wake up and you'll be way down beyond your place of originating uh, from because it's a drifting thing and uh, so God began to deal with me about the church, not, please understand, not necessarily 
individuals here. But God has begun to deal with me about the church corporate. That, that he is wanting to do something different in the corporate body. But in order to do what he wants to do in the corporate body, he is saying, if my people will humble themselves before me and seek my face. And we talked about that word humble was to repent, to lower yourself down in the eyes of God and seek his face. Turn from the wickedness. I don't know what your wickedness might be. You might not have any. I don't know what your failures might be. You might not have any of those. I don't know what your shortcomings might be. You might not have any of those. Prayerfully, I'm preaching to uh, a lot of holy and righteous uh, people, and I believe that with all my heart. But I've got, I've got this word that I've got to preach because I believe that what God is wanting to do is going to require uh, some shifting and some moving and some changing uh, on the part of the corporate body. Because let's, let's face the reality. Let's, let's face the reality of our world. Churches on every corner, thousands, millions of people gathering on any given Sunday to worship. Uh, worship off the charts, praise off the charts. These things are great and they're awesome, but what is it doing to our culture? How is it changing our culture? How is your relationship with God changing your culture? How, sir or ma'am, and I'm just talking, so give me a, a little bit. Daddy, how is your relationship with God changing the culture of your family? And I say the same thing about moms. How is your relationship changing the culture of your family? Is it altering lifestyles? Is it changing the way people talk? Is it, is it uh, redoing uh, old ways of doing things? And, and uh, what, how is the, what impact are you having on those around you? These are, are hard questions, but they're serious questions. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that, that I believe this pandemic that we uh, have been in and are still experiencing has, is causing uh, those two of us uh, to be sensitive to really what are we doing. Is, is what I'm doing, is it really important? Is, is how I'm acting, is it really important? Uh, is, my, how, is my mode or my method of worship, is it really having an impact? Or am I just going in the motion? Am I just drifting along with the, the flow of the stream and, and everybody's happy, satisfied, and all of that? But in, in, at the end of the day, is what I'm doing for Jesus having an impact on me and those around me?
Because, guys, at the end of the day, that is what's going to matter. It's not going to matter what religion you belong to. It's not going to matter what methods you used. It's going to matter about the relationship that you had with God. And sometimes God, instead of opening the door and letting you walk into something, sometimes God will allow you to be drugged under the threshold of the door to get you to recognize the beauty of what he's taking you into. So I want us to look in the book of Jonah. And and, uh, for those of you that still haven't found the book of Jonah, while you're looking, uh, God big, has, has been dealing with me uh, about the church and the need uh, to call uh, the church back to a place of, of uh, repentance and brokenness. But I believe this message this morning, is, is it might not be to everybody here, but it is to somebody here this morning. I believe God spoke to me uh, in my spirit and said, you don't have to wait on the whale. I know that sounds kind of crazy and corny, but, but you don't have to wait on a whale to get to where God wants you to get. And I believe that that's the reason that I'm preaching this message this morning is because uh, God's saying, I don't want to bring a whale in your life. Listen, in the seven churches of Revelation, uh, in in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, gives us a clear indication. They are a clear indicator to us as men and women of God of the need for the awareness and the diligence of maintaining our God-given purpose. As you read about those seven churches in the book of Revelation, You can get a clear picture there of of the easiness that churches and people can drift into areas to where they're still doing the right motions and still going through the right routine, but they're void of the power and the anointing of God. So if you read the if you read those uh, the the messages to those seven churches, with the exception of two of those churches, God says you need to do this. Uh, you need you you have lost your first love. You need uh, to return to your first love. You you are neither cold nor hot, and things such as that. So it lets us know that we need to have an awareness. That the enemy, listen, these churches represent, I believe, not only ages of the church, but they represent churches of this hour. One thing that it lets us know that, that at the end of the day, at the last moment of the last day, when everything 
uh, five minutes before everything is going to be totally wiped away and, and everything is going to be over. We're going to be in heaven. At the last moment of the last day, there will be a church somewhere that will have its doors open. But that does not mean that that church will be walking in the power and the authority of what God wants it to walk in. We've got to recognize, friend, that the enemy uh, will never be able to close the doors of the church. But what the enemy has, has, has uh, focused on now is not worrying about closing the doors of the church so much as coming inside and robbing the people of their power that are inside the church. So it's important for us to be aware in these last days of the enemy's desire to infiltrate with things that will rob us of our power. It's important that we be diligent to pursue the purpose and the plan of God. One of the things that uh, I have done over these past eight or nine weeks is I have looked inside of my life, and, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I am so ready to get back to the norm. Because these past seven or eight weeks have been nonstop. There, it's been nonstop for, for us and constantly going and doing and, and trying to figure out how to do and, and, how to, and when to go and where to go and what to do when you get there. So it's been extremely stressful. One of the things that I've asked myself the question is there is I've looked at things in my life and I've looked at things in ministry and I've said, God, is this really what you want? Is this really important that, that I do this or that we do this? So in the book of Jonah, I, I'm, I apologize for rambling, but I just had to say those things. In the book of Jonah, and, and I'm going to just kind of narrate this story. So I want you to, to just, if you get something that's noteworthy, write it down. If you don't, then that's, that's okay. Uh, but I just want to kind of narrate this story because I believe that I'm speaking to uh, individuals this morning. This, this story is, is one of the most unique stories in the Bible. Uh, it's, it's listed among the, the prophetic books. It's listed among the minor prophets. But in reality, Jonah never prophesies. Jonah was not really a prophet. Uh, the, the thing about the book of Jonah is a message. It's not, he's not prophesying. He's not given a prophetic word. Uh, he's, he's been given a message and he's been given a message to carry uh, to, uh, of all places, the city of Nineveh. It's a city of the Assyrians, and it's a huge city uh, with great walls around it. Uh, some said the walls were big enough that, that chariots could run up and down the top of it. It was a huge city, uh, very large, with a lot of people there. But Jonah was given a message to carry to uh, the city of Nineveh. 
The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 that now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Jonah is one of the only prophets or only men uh, in the Bible uh, that's listed as a prophet that was told by God to leave the nation of Israel and go to a foreign land to a heathen people and preach a message of repentance and mercy. That's what makes the book of Jonah such a unique book. Isaiah prophesied to his own people. Jeremiah prophesied to his own people. Ezekiel prophesied to his own people. Uh, Micah, all of them, they prophesied to their own people. But Jonah was different. Jonah was sent to a foreign land to speak a message of repentance and mercy to a people that he hated with a passion. That is what makes this uh, this book unique, but it's also what sets the stage for what I believe that God is wanting to speak to us this morning because we are living not in normal times. We are not living in, in business as usual times. It is a unique time in history that we're living in. And as Jonah was commanded by God to go to a place that he did not want to go to speak to a people that he did not want to talk to, and, and he refused to do it. Here's the thing. God said to Jonah in verse 2, arise and go to Nineveh. And I want to talk mainly this morning about two times that God spoke to Jonah to arise and go. The first time that God spoke to Jonah, he said, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And I've got a message that I want to give to that uh, nation. By the way, Jonah's name means dove. Now remember what I said earlier, you don't have to wait on a whale to get you to where God wants you to go. There are better ways of doing it, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, there are better ways. Jonah's name means dove, but Jonah's character and disposition do not line up with what his name means. You say that again. The name Jonah means dove, and when you think about a dove, you think about something that, that is fluttering, uh, gentle, beautiful, and all that, but Jonah's character did not line up with what his name meant. I'm going to bring it on down. You might not like me. You might, well, I ain't going to go there. You might, you might not like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it. I might not be preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody. So I want you to hear what I'm saying. Listen, I believe today that what God is wanting to do is to get what we're called by. We're called Christians. 
God didn't call you to blend in with the world. God didn't call you to flow along with everything that goes along in society. God didn't call you to, uh, to look like the world, walk like the world, talk like the world, be like the world. When the name Christian is mentioned, it should set you apart from everybody else. But the fact is that when Jonah's name was mentioned, it did not line up with what his name meant. In other words, Jonah's, Jonah's character and disposition was quite the opposite. Because when you read that book, you'll see that Jonah was very immature. He was very immature. He was one that, that when God chastised him a little bit, he walked around, pouted like a, a, a kid or something, and, and fussed and got angry and got upset with, with God and all that. And, and, and he was, listen, here's a big thing. Jonah liked being around the people that he was alike and uh, are like. And when God said, I want you to leave this group and I want you to go to that group and be a light and be a voice of repentance and mercy, Jonah bows up and says, God, I'm not going to do it. So when God said to Jonah, arise and go to that city, Nineveh, and preach this message, instead of arising and going to Nineveh, Jonah got up and went the opposite way that was yesterday that was yesterday there are people that I'm talking to this morning that God has spoken to you God's given a mandate on your life God's called you for a specific purpose and you have tried your best to mix in with everybody around you you tried your best to to get away from the call that God's got on your life and the plan and the purpose that God's got for you you tried to mix in with everything and look like the world walk like the world and talk like the world but you found yourself on a ship headed toward Tarshish and God is here today to tell you there's a whale that's awaiting you if you don't recognize what you're doing and turn around and go the other way alright and I and listen, I love you and thank you so much for helping me preach this morning because it's hard to deliver this word. But I'm telling you this morning that the time that we're living in calls for the word of God to go forth. It might cut you. It might poke you. I might dig up some roots around your front door. But friend, when you walk out of here this morning, I want you to know the truth because I don't want to hear uh, the phone call that says so. So-and-so got swallowed by a whale. If so-and-so got messed up, can you come and help? Listen. Jonah was guilty of willful disobedience. Jonah knew what to do, but he did not do it. Not only was he guilty of a willful disobedience, but he was reluctant to carry out his God-given mission. And, and listen, I, I've had this, this word has just burned within me for, for uh, about two weeks. And, and I've been, I almost got, I almost had Joan on me. I started to go to First Baptist Church this morning and, I said, no, you're, you're going there and you're going to deliver what I give you. 
But Jonah was reluctant. And kind of jumping ahead, the reality is that Jonah would have rather to have seen judgment fall on a nation of people, on a city of over 600,000 people than to be obedient to what God has called him to do. Can I tell you something this morning? You will never have the joy that you so much desire as long as you're on the boat headed to Tarshish. You will never experience the blessing of God on your life that you so much desire as long as you're on the boat to Tarshish. God is trying to realign your vision. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody. It might be live streaming. They might be in Timbuktu. I don't know. But I'm telling you, God is trying to realign the way that you think. I'm telling you that, that God is not pleased with the prejudiceness. He is not pleased with your rebellion. He is not pleased with hypocrisy. God is saying, I want to bring you to a place. Because, listen, one man that God... One man that God... Right, right down in the middle. He said, you're the one. I want, I want you to go uh, to Nineveh and cry against the sin and, and the, the perversion that's there. Brother Donald says, Pastor, please go to the other side over there. I'm talking to Justin I'm really talking to the ones back there. Because you see, here's the, here's the deal with Jonah, and, and we are so much like him uh, so many times, is that I am more concerned about me and mine and how this is going to affect me and what I'm going to have to do in order to do that. God, I know you've called me to do this, but because I, uh, I can't see any further than my hands will reach, I don't, I don't see the importance of what you're calling me to do. And the reality is this, that we don't know that if God says, Jonah, I want you to go down to Nineveh and preach, we don't know that there's 600,000 men or women there, more than that, that God wants to touch their lives, and we hold in our hand the destiny of a city. We hold in our hand the destiny of a community. I hold in my hand the destiny of a husband or a wife, but I'm refusing to do what God wants me to do because I'm so worried about my own way and my own self. The Bible says, instead of arising to go to Nineveh, Jonah arose and fled what God wanted him to do. But the Bible says in verse 17 of chapter 1 that the Lord had appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I shared with you last Sunday that in order for God to get the message of repentance and mercy 
across to the people in Nineveh, God had to first do a work in Jonah. And he did it in the belly of the whale. We're blessed today because we can hear the word and we make the decision whether or not to obey it. Because you see, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, Peter said this, he said, For the time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? You know what that's saying? It's saying that God, God is saying, I'm going to... Judgment is going to start in the house of God. In other words, God says pressure is going to begin in the house of God. Struggle is going to begin in the house of God. Trials are going to begin in the house of God. Not outside, but in the house of God. Because God, God is saying what I want to do is bring my people into an alignment with what I'm wanting to do in the world. Perhaps what we've been going through is, is just some of the things that God is saying. I'm trying to line you up. I'm trying to get you into the place that, that you can be used Maybe the pressure and the stress that we've experienced over the past several weeks is God is saying, I'm trying to get my people into an alignment with what I want them to do. Maybe God is saying, I want to get my people into a place where they will become my hands and my feet. So Jonah fled away from what God wanted them to do, and he wound up in the belly of the whale. How many times could we avoid the belly of the whale if we would simply be obedient to what God wants us to do? Listen, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11 and verse 29. Jesus said when the people were come together, uh, that he began to say, he said, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. I want you to catch that, the sign of Jonas the prophet. And then Jesus went on and said, for as Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Notice what Jesus was saying there about that generation, that they were seeking a sign. They were looking for a sign. Maybe they were looking for the sensational. Maybe they were looking for the dramatic. Maybe they were even saying, uh, give us a little gold dust to fall out of the top of the building and we'll believe that you are God. I don't know, but... They were looking for a sign. But Jesus said this. The sign that the Ninevites got was a man that had seaweed in his hair, 
had on ragged clothes and smelled like yesterday's throw up, walking through the street of the city saying, Repent, for God is about to judge this place. Jesus said that was a sign to the people of Nineveh. What he was comparing it to was those that he was talking to were religious. They went to church every Sunday. They wore the right clothes. They knew when to say amen. They knew when to raise their hand. They knew all the right and the wrong way of doing it. They looked good on the outside. But what Jesus was saying was this. Just as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, Jesus said, I am a sign to this generation. And then Jesus said this, but they will not listen, they will not heed this sign. Here's the thing, guys. I believe that God is wanting to raise up some signs. You drive down the road, you see signs. You see this yellow sign with black uh, uh, directions on it that's got a big sharp thing with an arrow that goes like this and you're running along there 90 miles an hour uh, listening to your iPad or some iPod or something like that and you see that sign that says a sharp curve up ahead. How many people have, have sped past those signs and could not make the turn because they didn't pay any attention to the sign. Listen, a sign is just something that says this is coming. Them Chick-fil-A signs that you see by the road that's got the cow on it and all of that, you can't taste chicken on that sign. You can't smell chicken when you get up under that sign. But all that sign is doing is saying there is a Chick-fil-A somewhere down the road. It is a sign that is pointing you to something down the road. Hey, God is giving us signs, ladies and gentlemen, in this hour that we're living in. This coronavirus is a sign that I'm coming soon. There are things that are taking place in our government that is a sign that Jesus is getting things together uh, for his second coming. There, there are decisions that have been made since this pandemic uh, transpired in our government that will forever change how you do things those are signs there are things that are taking place where uh, where people are, are desiring to get more and more uh, control over your life that has already taken place what is that? that is a sign to the body of Christ that something is coming down the road are we listening and watching for the signs? Jonah was a sign to the people of Nineveh and the amazing thing about that was Nineveh was one of the the most wicked and, and perverse nations on the face of the earth. They were godless period. They hated God. They hated the people of Israel. But, 
but Jonah, obedient to God, reluctantly walks down the street and begins to declare the gospel of the saving power of Jesus and repentance and mercy that God will bring. And every one of them, even their dogs and cats and cows and donkeys and jackasses and all of that, bow down before God and begin to fast and pray. That is the power of a message that God will bring when somebody says, I will be the sign. I will be obedient. I will do it despite. I will go there in spite of what other people think. I will do it, God. You see, the problem, Jonah, is that God's got to get you to the place to where you will bow yourself down totally to Him. Maybe some of the pressure that you've been feeling in your life is not coming from man, but it is coming from God saying, Jonah, I'm trying to line you up with something that is greater. All you're seeing is some little dot in the middle of a picture, but God is saying, I am seeing the whole picture, and I'm trying to line you up and get you ready to do great things. Listen. The amazing thing about it is that Jonah knew about the mercy of God. Jonah knew about the power of repentance. And he knew that the mercy of God, he knew that if he preached that message, that God's mercy would be extended. And here's the thing. I believe that this book of Jonah, and you can look at it any way you want to. If you want to preach next Sunday, I'll let you preach next Sunday. And you can tell us how you look at it. But I believe this message of Jonah is a picture of a shifting that God is doing on the earth today. With, with one exception. We never see where Jonah really totally accepted what God wanted to do and what God did. He grumbled and griped and complained. God brought a gourd up, covered his head, protected him from sun. He was happy. God sent a worm, cut the gourd down. Jonah was mad. But I think what God is saying to us about that is this. Where are the priorities? And what, are, what is the focus of your life? And I believe that what God is saying is this. That I've got a dove that I want to deliver a message but I've got to change the character of the dove in order for him to deliver the message. And what God has been doing over the past several weeks, perhaps, in your life is working on your character, working on areas in your life that need tweaking. Some of y'all said, Pastor, you ain't been tweaking me. He's just jerking things out of me. 
He's just tearing things out by the roots. God's wanting to do some new things. In order to do those new things, there has to be change. Change in me as an individual. Change in the way I look at things. Change in the way I react to things. Change in ways that will bring others to Christ. Would you stand with me, please? My, 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 God is working. We know that because it's four minutes till 12 o'clock. Listen, I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Do I have some Jonah in me? Do I I have a little bit of Jonah in me? Wives, quit looking at your husband. The reality is, ladies and gentlemen, that, that probably all of us here today have a little bit of Jonah about us. We've got a few things in our lives that we really need to get straight. Some of y'all probably just say flat out, hey, I, I, am, I am a Jonah look-alike. That's me. That's who I am. You hit me right between the eyes, Pastor. But some of you might say, you know what, I got a trait in my life. really I really need I need some help with so this morning I want I want us to 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 bow our heads and and I'm really tempted this morning to break all the the guidelines and just get you up front. I, I do want to do this. Sister Sandy, can you guys come? I want to do it real quick. I'm, I'm not going to be long, but just real quick this morning. <coughs> Listen. <coughs> I told you there were two <clears throat> two arises in this in this story. The first one was God said Jonah arise and go to Nineveh. And Jonah arose and went the other way. The second one was in chapter 3 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Please catch that. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. 
The second time, the Bible says that God told him to go and preach to it the preaching that I bid you. And verse 3 says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Two verses with similar wording. Two verses that both had a mandate from God. Two verses that, that give us where God spoke directly to Jonah and said, I want you to get up. Listen, any time God calls, it will require us to arise. You will never be able to sit and accomplish what God wants you to do. The first one, God said, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. Jonah got up and went the other way. But this is such a beautiful picture of the grace and mercy of God that God didn't write him off, but he spoke to him a second time. And that lets us see, guys, that the sad thing is that that sometimes the only way we will become obedient to God is because we get spit out on a beach out of the belly of a whale. That's, but you know, the mercy of God says the second time, arise, Jonah, and go and preach to this city of Nineveh. what mercy and what grace God has. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. We're going we're gonna to sing, and as they sing, I want you to be honest with God, and I'm probably going to kill my invitation right now because nobody's going to come. But I want you to say, you know what, Pastor? I've got some Jonah in me. I've got some Jonah in me. Some of you say, I am Jonah. That's my middle name, Jonah. If that's you, I want you to step out from where you are and just make your way down to the front. Because God is saying, I'm going to deal with some Jonah. One as they sing, we're going we're gonna to do that this morning. I'm, gi I'm giving you an opportunity. Some of you are saying, I'm not going back. I am not going back. I am not. I am not. I am not going to return to where I was. I am not going to be like I used to be. I am tired of it. Jonah is getting kicked out today. Jonah is going to find a new place to live today. You ain't living in my house no more. Hallelujah. Now here's the thing, and I'm not going to make this long, and I'm not going to make it complicated. Here's the thing. Repentance, repentance simply means stopping and turning around and going the other way. 
That's what repentance means. The amazing thing about that word arise is that God put direction on the word arise. When God said to Jonah, arise, he didn't tell him just to get up. He said, get up and go here. All right? First time, Jonah didn't go where God wanted him to go. The second time, God said, Jonah, arise and go and be obedient to me. Jonah went. Listen, what God is saying today is saying, arise and go. God is putting direction on your life. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about your ideas and ways and, 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 and all of that. But God is putting direction on your life. Quit waiting for a boyfriend or a husband or, or, or a wife or a girlfriend to give you direction. They cannot do for you what God wants to do for you. God is saying, get up. And what you've done this morning is you've gotten up and you've come down here. That's a big deal, guys. That's a huge deal. And I believe God is smiling. I believe some of us are, are going to make the well go without food today because it's going to happen in my life. So I want to pray with you this morning. I don't know your spiritual condition. I don't know those of you that, that uh, I don't know what your relationship with God is, but, but I want us to get that right because that is the foundation of everything that God wants to do in your life. So this morning we're going to pray. And if you made a decision to follow Christ, then I want you to let me know because I want, I want to help you grow. I don't want to ever see Jonah come back into your life. So, let's pray. Father, I come to you today having heard your word. Father, I believe your word. I believe you are who you say you are. And God, I confess to you today that I've got some Jonah in me. I confess to you today that I've got some character problems in me. I confess today, Lord, that I've got some issues in my life, my attitude. I confess today. I confess them before you, Lord. You know, you know my sin. You know my failures. You know my downfalls. And I confess them to you today. And Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I come and I bow before you, O oh God, today. There is none like you, and I bow before you today, confessing my sins, asking you to forgive me, believing today that the blood of Jesus washes away all of my sins, believing this morning that the blood of Jesus breaks every curse on my life, breaks every chain of bondage in my life. God, believing this morning 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in my life. Every sin, every perversion, every fault, every failure is bowing down at the name of Jesus. God, I confess this morning that I've got habits in my life that I desperately need to be broken. And I believe this morning that as I confess those habits to you, I'm believing right now that the the stronghold is being broken. The bondage is being broken in my life right now in the name of Jesus. I believe right now that nicotine is being broken from over my life. I believe it right now that alcoholism is being broken from over my life, Father, in the name of Jesus. I believe right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that that anger is being broken from over my life, that I am laying it down today, that I will be changed and changed forever in the name of Jesus. God, I confess today that you are Lord and everything else in my life that has claimed lordship must bow down at the name of Jesus today, Father. God, I just thank you this morning. God, I give you praise this morning. I worship you today. I give you honor and glory. Thank you today, Father, for our second chance. Thank you for our second opportunity to become what you've called me to be in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, would you would you lift your hands this morning and sing that with us? There's a new king in the house. There's a new ruler on the throne. And his name is Jesus. I'm going to sing that. I exalt thee. some children this morning that have got a new mama. There's some children that have got a new daddy. There's some husbands that's got some new wives and some wives that have got some new husbands. Because you see, God, God is going to do great things in your life. Listen, if you made a decision today, follow Christ, or maybe you just say, you know what, 
I, I think I need to connect with this body of believers, then, then get with me after the service and let me know, and we'll make it happen. But I just want to speak a blessing over your life today, and I'm going to dismiss you. Those of you, our ushers will be standing at the door. Brother Curry is back there to receive this morning's tithe and offering. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for your support uh, to what God is doing here at McCullough Christian Center. It couldn't be done without you, so we're so grateful for that. So as we close this morning, I'm going to say a blessing over that. And also, I want to bless you today. Father, this morning, Lord, I thank you today, Father, for those that, that have responded to this word. Father, I thank you that you could use a message to change lives. And so, Father, today, I bless them this morning. I thank you, Father, that the old is gone, the new has come. I thank you the past is gone and the future is going to be better. I thank you this morning, God, that, Father, that the anointing is breaking the yoke of bondage. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you are moving in the lives and the hearts of those that have been obedient today to respond. So, Father, we give you praise this morning. We give you honor and glory. And, Father, I just bless them today. Speak life and hope, healing and joy over their lives today. In the name of Jesus, I pray over their relationships with others. Your blessings, God. Guide them today in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for those that are going to give this morning and tithe and offering. We ask you to bless them as they give. And, Father, multiply back to them seeds that they're sown. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. And everybody said amen. Amen.